Hi everyone, you're listening to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Condé Nast Traveller. I'm Lale Arikoglu and with me, as always, is my co-host Meredith Carey. But this week, we're passing the mic to three of our Women Who Travel advisory board members who will be sharing their stories and chatting with you today. Wembley Sewell, Executive Editor of Condé Nast Them, which celebrates the stories, people, and voices of the LGBTQ community, is our very first guest host. She's joined by two Women Who Travel podcast regulars, Jessica Nabongo, the first Black woman to have visited every country in the world, and Avita Robinson, founder of No Madness Travel Tribe and No Madness TV. Wembley, we'll let you take it away. Hi, everyone, um, and welcome. Before getting started and even diving in, I wanted to say thank you, Jessica and Avita, for not only being here this week, but for always, always doing the work. It's no secret that the travel industry is incredibly white. <laughs> and I just wanted to say up top that your voices, your presence, Everything about what you do in the space um, is so important to me and is valued by so many. So just up top, I wanted to say thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. So I don't know about you both. I don't want to speak for anyone, but I have to admit that I am really, really tired. Um, But I am so grateful to... Be able to have a conversation with you both amidst an uprising, uh, historic protests, not just here in the United States, but all around the world. Jessica, I know you've been traveling mm-hmm. all around the world nonstop for the past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, Avita, you just hosted No Madness's virtual Audacity Fest last weekend. Yeah. So for both of you, I guess, looking back on the past few weeks, few days, what has life looked like? Well, I'll go ahead and I'll start. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, you know, it, it started with COVID, which was a significant change in all of our lives. I personally welcomed it because it allowed me the opportunity to slow down um, and for my body to truly recuperate from what I did to it with all of the travel. Mm-hmm. The last two weeks has felt surreal. You know, for me, it's been a bit difficult to even think like, what am I feeling? I feel like everything is, it feels very weird right now. That's honestly the best word that I can use. You know, because I'm 36, I was born a black woman, I'm still a black woman. And so racism is nothing new. Police brutality is nothing new. Cause I find myself thinking, were these people not alive in 2014? Like Mike Brown, for me, that was the year that I moved back to the United States after seven years away. And that summer and that fall felt so heavy because Mm -hmm. in November, I'll never forget, I was living with my friend Anthony, who's a black man, and I'll never forget watching on prime time when the prosecutor in Ferguson decided not to bring the charges. That was such a monumental moment of grief for me and I think for the larger black community. And so the last two weeks have been strange because I'm just like, were you guys there? Yeah, where were you? Well, you know, like 2012, Trayvon Martin. I'm like, Trayvon Martin, Philando Castile, Walter Scott, do these names not ring a bell? Um, But I think right now 
I'm I'm a little bit hopeful. I refuse to have too much hope because we've heard it all before. We've seen it all before. But I will say that it seems like a seismic shift is upon us. Um, and I'm I'm really open and excited to see what comes of it. But I will say that my my hopefulness is there's a little hope, but I'm not throwing it all in. I'm not. I, unfortunately, um, I don't really know what will come out of it, but I hope something positive really does shift. Yeah. No, I hear you. I um I understand Jessica's uh, cautious optimism. <laughs> My anxiety has had varying levels and degrees this past two weeks. It's felt different. This one has felt different. And I've been trying to pinpoint exactly what makes me say that and what makes me feel that in the, you know, in the fact that this is like, this is repetition. We've been here before in so many ways with both Black men and women um, who have died at the hands of police brutality. And what I'm noticing that's a little bit different this time is this is the most white people I've ever seen hit the streets. This is the most white people I've ever seen hit my inbox. <laughs> this is, I mean, I went up about, I mean, I flipped out. I, I There is literally a, a video that is on IGTV on my page right now that has been circulating particularly around the travel industry and me calling the travel industry all the way out. And it's being shared by some top white travel influencers, people that are popping up and I called them out too. Like y'all came in in droves within the last 24 to 48 hours. But like, I don't know, like what are your intentions here? Like, are we dating or are we serious? What's happening here? Okay. Are you gonna ghost me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like what's, what's the deal here? And so I, but what I will say is I've seen more white people kind of take a stand and and address the issue, but not just address it, but also like go viral, cursing out their racist parents and, and uncles and things of that nature. And I think the part that they play is that they have access to intimate spaces that we as Black people do not have. This type of behavior is generationally based down. It is something that is in the homes, over dinner, it is in these private conversations and we as black people don't have access to those moments, to those conversations, to be able to stand up for ourselves and to stand up for, you know, against police brutality and these things. And so there is a responsibility that white, legit white allies need to take on. And I have been seeing them take on in a way that I haven't in previous circumstances before them take ownership for their privilege and also check it at the door and learn and be okay with being checked by black people so that they learn and do better. And for me, that's one of the biggest shifts that I have seen um, that lends me to think that this may be different. You spoke to um, us doing our first digital iteration of Audacity Fest. Our next one is coming up on August 1st. Market calendars. Yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna have an ally panel, like we going in, we're going in. With that being said, when we did the first iteration and picked the date of May 30th, we had no idea a month ago that the world was going to be on fire yet again. We didn't know this. And what Audacity Digi ended up giving our community, we had almost 500 people come to the first one. What it gave our community and the feedback that we've gotten that was just means the world to us is, yo, you gave us a place not only to have a reprieve and bring our joy and our love and our camaraderie and our essence to a space, 
but you also simultaneously had that be a safe space for us to vent and to have these conversations. Stephanie Young, the um, director of culture and communications for First Lady Michelle Obama's When We All Vote initiative was one of the fireside chats that we had. That conversation hit so hard with so many people and talking about not just the nostalgia of previous, you know, the Barack Obama administration, but also like I said, I said to her and I said it to everybody, I refuse to galvanize a group of black people at any point in time through 2020 and us not have a part of that conversation be embedded about the fact that this is an election year. You need to look at the presidential all the way down ballot. We have got to not let COVID and everything else that is happening overshadow the fact that we need to show up whether it is mailing our ballots in or showing up to the polls in the middle of this. And it's so important that we don't let that drown out. And so creating a safe space for my people, for my community, which is what I feel I do. I tell people all the time, I'm not, it looks like I'm in the travel industry. I'm actually in the people industry. And it's really travel that is the connective, you know, the web that brings us all together. Totally. But with that in my community, I'm all about creating safe spaces. It's never been about me. And so for me, it's like, what are the conversations that we're having internally that we can now bring to a wider stage, something like Audacity Digi? And we have people from 24 countries represented at this festival, 24 countries. That's one of the benefits of being able to knock this thing out digitally now and have that be a part of the Audacity brand every couple months. Our, we had speakers from Sweden. Lola from Sweden was on there. We had um, Barang and also the Wind Collective, Clay from London. We had people from all around the world that were in here that were even like, yo, we're having these uprisings. And that's the other difference you're seeing right now. They are turning up in Amsterdam, in Paris, in London. like. Everywhere around the world, people are hitting the streets with the Black Lives Matter mission because we know as Black people, this shit is popping off everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> my family is is Jamaican, and we obviously, like, from Jamaica, have gone all over. So I have family now right. who, who are in London, families in Hamburg, and we were Zooming over the weekend because that's another beautiful thing I think also about this time is right. people, to your point, you, you're slowing down a little bit. You're trying to kind of regroup and connect with what really matters and what makes you who you are. And so as I'm Zooming with my family members and we're talking about, you know, our lineage, our heritage, our stories, my cousin in Hamburg <laughs> is talking about, about predominantly white people showing up, yep. you know, for Black Lives Matter. And I think that that's really amazing. But, but while I think that that is amazing, they've also got to understand their positionality in this conversation. Oh, of course. They've got to allow us to take the lead and understand the directives and protect us along that process, both at home and in public and at these protests. And I think that's where it is. Don't take over because you're also seeing the posers that are on social media and going viral as well, okay? So it's like, you've gotta be very strategic to make sure like, you know, I said this in my, in my video that's going around about the travel industry. Like, are y'all true to this or new to this? Like pick one because we've been doing this work for over a decade in this space. And I think it's important that everybody doubles down. You don't need to reinvent the wheel, but you need to influence your sphere of people that are around you. You know, for Jessica and I, it's the travel industry, right? For somebody else, it may be the culinary industry, or they may not have an industry backing, and it may just literally be the people that are in their home and in their friends and family circle. But I think if everybody does their part in their own sphere of influence, that's where you really see change. 
that's really where it comes from. To that point, I mean, I just, there's no question that, I mean, this moment calls for all of us to use our platforms, no matter how big, no matter how small, no matter if it's our family, if it's our friends or community, no matter our lens, so to speak. And speaking of lenses, and of course we are on Women Who Travel, from your vantage point, what has the travel community's response been like? And beyond, you know, just even your community, because I think even side by side, we are able to connect with like-minded people in our own, again, community. What have you seen more broadly from the travel industry? So beyond, you know, people um, who have kind of created their own platforms, who have their own followings, things like that. Um, I'm curious to hear what you all have been seeing. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I can't say that I've seen much from the travel industry. Um, I've been setting up a series of calls and I've had some of those calls and, you know, trying to understand what people are looking to do. But for me, I just feel like a lot of what I'm seeing is lip service, you know? And it's really interesting because on the one hand, it's like, okay, now you want to include us. But on the other hand, it's like, I don't want to be in your roundup. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, on it being honest, like I, I think Condé Nast has done an amazing job over the years. You know, I remember on this podcast, I think it was two years ago, there was a podcast about what it's like to travel as a woman of color. And this podcast has continuously lifted up a variety of, of voices. Hmm. There are other travel publications that I cannot say the same thing about. And, you know, now they're emailing, they're DMing, they're trying to save face. And it's like, "Mm, okay, so you want to put me on your Instagram and then what? So I think those of us who are able need to be having these hard conversations. I think it's a time where we need to make people uncomfortable and we need to come full force. And I think in terms of allies, I think they also have to understand we're angry. You know what I mean? Like we have been looked over. We've been doing the work for a long, long time in terms of this industry. So it's like, you kind of need to get past our aggression because there may be aggression. There is on our part, there's going to be a lot of distrust. And I think it is incumbent upon them to make us trust them. And that trust is not going to be built overnight. It's not going to be built through a black square. It's not going to be built through an email. It's not going to be built through you posting me on your feed. It's going to be built through months and years of work and showing that you're truly integrating black people into your marketing, into your advertising, into your campaigns. And how you treat people when they get there once they're there. You know what I mean? Like it goes beyond even just getting the messaging out there. I think it becomes a holistic kind of thing because it's great to want us to like stay at your hotels or use your service or whatever. But like, if you're going to look at me some kind of way when I'm sitting in, you know, on your plane in a certain section that I'm not supposed to be in or when I'm checking into your hotel and, you know, you know, I, I think it goes beyond just even those, those moments too. That's such a great point. And what I often talk about is like my privilege going head to head with my oppression, because again, it's like it is Mm. sitting in first class and how you're treated. I I flew last month and the flight attendant assumed that I was sitting in economy. 
you know, which happens to me quite frequently. I was explaining to a brand that I had a call with, like, yeah, the last time I, I was at one of your properties, they asked if I was a guest. And I said, yeah. And they said, oh, are you an employee? What? And the thing is, I didn't say anything to the publicist that I was working with because it was a situation where it's like, he was a white man, a publicist. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to explain it to you. You're not going to understand. Or I'm going to explain it to you and you're going to tell me that's not what it was. Or I'm going to explain it to you and you're going to defend the person that I'm telling you about. And it's exhausting. And, you know, in that moment, I didn't feel like it. I'm mm-hmm. just like, I'm not, you know. And it's unfortunate, but I think um, the biggest thing that we need from people within the industry is just to listen and understand how pervasive it is. The lion's share of the conversation has been around police brutality. And I appreciate this conversation because we can talk about racism specifically in the travel industry. And while some may say, well, this is a privileged conversation, it is, but it's important to understand even with privilege, Black people still experience racism nearly every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is precisely what I kind of flipped out about on Instagram. There were a couple things that came up for me. One, what I saw was a lot of repurposed old content with new dates on it, acting like it was new. I was pissed because one of those was mine. Nobody reached back out to have a conversation with me. They didn't add anything new to the conversation. It was literally the same exact article that came out in either 20, it's at least a year old. And I'm not the only person that this has happened to because when I put this video up on IGTV venting about this, I had other travel, black travel influencers that are like, yo, I had one that somebody repurposed and threw up from 2018. I'm like, but this is exactly where they are messing up because we're we're these spots, these like spotlights that kind of pop up in their content. We're not an ongoing conversation, right? So all of a sudden shit has hit the fan Everybody's standing up for Black Lives Matter and you realize you ain't got no content. And so you're repurposing old stuff, literally putting a new date on it. I looked at this newsletter. Somebody, it was somebody on my team that tagged me inside of Nomadness Travel Tribe with a screenshot. And some people were like, hey girl, yeah, da-da-da-da. I was like, this is old. This is old. And I started to like go off in tribe. And then I was like, you know what? I'm taking this to the public. I'm taking this to the digital streets because this is crazy. And then I realized from my counterparts, it's the same thing that's going on over and over again. And so now this video is circulating around and people are hearing that this is what's happening. I'm hoping that every single travel organization, press outlet, I called it to everybody, sees this and understands that this is not your best practices. You need more content and a more diverse conversation all year round. It's not Women's History Month, it's not Black History Month, and it's not when we in the middle of a protest. It is something that needs to be embedded in the DNA of your actual content output on a regular basis. So I flipped out about that. The other thing I flipped out about, the fact that, and you'll see this, Jessica, I don't know if you've come across this, but I know I have and as have another, a, a number of other people that are you know, Black travel influencers. For diversity marketing, say, here's a scenario, it's Black History Month, some brand want some Black History Month content that will showcase Black travel influencers, whatever the storyline is, whatever it is. Instead of going directly to these communities, like a Nomadness Travel Tribe and others, to get this content produced, of which we have people who can do this, people of color who could literally be the production crew, they will go to a white website 
or organization and then ask them to do their multicultural content. And then what happens is they will cut them the fattest of checks and then they will come to us and hire us at a lower rate on the other side of this. What's the need for the middleman? Is it just that you don't know that we're here and that we're capable? Or are you just bypassing the entire situation? Like bring me into this thought process because I also feel like equity has got to show up on the financial part of this. I literally just told my team on Sunday, I said, what needs to happen is there needs to be an anonymous poll that goes out to the black travel community. And we need to get a consensus on how much people are getting paid for speaker engagements, how much their sponsorship checks for the events are looking like. We need to get an average, just an average of what those dollar signs look like in the black community. And then we need to go have a real honest discourse with our white counterparts and see how much they're getting paid for their speaking engagements and their sponsorship opportunities for their events. And we need to see what this gap looks like. Yeah, yeah. I know that that's beginning uh, in multiple other industries like publishing industry. Um, just recently, you know, everyone got on social media, primarily Twitter, honestly, and, and started, you know, lining out what their rates were for things. And I think if we're going to talk about real ways to support black people right now, black creators, black, you want to call them influencers, sure. Whatever. Whatever you want to call them. <laughs> it does. It starts, it starts with, with money. I'm sorry. Like to me, in my opinion, um, yeah. it does. And I, and I want to kind of almost backpedal a little bit because I think whether I, I have seen some absolutely abysmal, vapid, like, absolutely just like empty posts and responses from people um, right now. Cause I mean, I understand that the instinct right now is to want to show solidarity. People want to show support, but it's absolutely not happening across the board. I think in a, in a, in a way that is effective. I personally, when I, when I saw, you know, that blackout Tuesday was happening and social media users were almost wiping out, you know, such vital, and crucial information in the Black Lives Matter, kind of uh, the hashtag that, that, that's happening in, in attempts to kind of virtue signal um, rather than, than trying to bring about concrete change. It made me realize that I think sometimes people are misusing their platforms on social media too. So from your vantage point, and, and I know Avita, you just touched on so many things that people can do in, in areas in which um, we can bring about real change. What are some other kind of actionable things that you think people can do or things that you would like to see? I know we're all in agreement about the, the money and, and rates. Like that's a hundred percent like right on. Um, but is there anything else that, that either of you would really like to see? Um, I think to your point around um, the experience that people of color, black people have when traveling, I think there has to be a large scale diversity training. It's about bias, you know, like, and it's all employees. It's not just white employees. It's all employees. We are all living in a white supremacist system and we are all being socialized under that system. So what also can happen is that another person of color who works for an airline may discriminate against you because there's the assumption that the person in first class is a white man, an older white man, you know? So to see someone who looks younger and is black and is a woman and I'm you know I, I dress for comfort and people often think that I'm younger than what I am and I'm treated poorly by a number of people who may represent an airline or um or a hotel and so I think there has to be a massive bias training and it's so sad because it seems so simple treat everyone the same 
never make assumptions about who this person is. And to that point, also with passengers or other people at hotels, don't ask me what I do. If I'm in the Sky Lounge, don't ask me what I do. I'm sitting next to you in first class, don't ask me what I do. You know what I mean? Because what what I understand from navigating this world as long as I have is that you're trying to understand why I'm in your space, like, you know, your in quotation marks. And, you know, they're trying to figure out how, how do I place this person? Because I think in terms of talking about the privilege versus oppression conversation, there's this real need to want to almost whitewash us. Because for me, honestly, I have a very diverse following. My following has always been almost 50-50. But I think even a lot, even though I talk about things that happen to me when I'm traveling because I'm Black, because I'm African, I think a lot of them don't see me as Black, right? Because there's this thing of, oh, well, you're well-traveled. You do luxury travel, all of those things. They can't, they almost erase your Black. Like Oprah isn't Black. Beyonce isn't Black. They're just people, right? And so we ascend to this level where we're considered just people and they don't see us as Black people and they see us as exceptions, right? And then try to make us the rule. Well, Jessica went to every country in the world, so anybody can do it. It's like, no, it was actually really damn hard to do that, you know? Yeah, definitely. I would also say that it's time to also start showcasing some of these like black tour vendors. So one of the things that Nomadness has been doing throughout the course of, we've done two rounds of it um, throughout the course of quarantine is we've been doing these things called silent blessings, right? And it's a way for us to get money back into the hands of the people in our community. We're very supportive of our community, very supportive. And the first round that we did was industry-based. So on Monday, it was a silent blessing for people that were in, you know, healthcare, education, um, manufacturing was one, um, hospitality was one as well, people who had been affected by COVID. And literally, we created the platform for them to be able to put just like their location, their cash app, whatever it is, their position that they were in in their situation, and people would silently send money to these people throughout the course of that day. Last week, we did our second round and it was focused around international black tour operators. So we're talking about like Jennifer Tosh, who's been a longtime member of Nomadness, who runs the black heritage tours of Amsterdam, right? These places where you will go and the black history and the diasporic history is not in your face. You have to actively go seek it out. And they've created an actual job that's based around it. I think profiling these businesses around the world that speak to our actual history and our culture in their respective areas. So it's relevant information. But I think not just seeking out the travelers, but also the business owners of color around the world who also help facilitate these tours and experiences for people to come in. And as a white person, take one of them. You know, like when you show up out of curiosity, take one of them, start to educate yourself on the history, not just in your backyard, but also as you are around the world and understand that our history is everywhere. And I think so showcasing even the businesses in that way, um, the business owners that are in the travel industry that are relevant um, and really getting to the guts of the community in that way, wherever you are, those are also some attributes that I would add to, you know, what I had said prior. And just one more thing um, in terms of travel on the publishing side, I think it's important just to get a variety of voices in terms of writing, right? Like, I'm quite frankly, and I've mentioned this before, I'm sick of reading about visiting Africa from non-Africans. 
There Hello. are so many amazing African writers all over the continent and all throughout the diaspora who are, you know, writing for major publications. It's like, why can't you ask us what it's like to go on safari in Africa? You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. So, and the same thing with India. Why don't you have more Indian writers? And, you know, with, with every region in the world, it's like when we're reading travel writing, we're still seeing the world through the lens of white people even yeah. though some of us have had amazing opportunities to work with these platforms a lot of times it's a one-off right but it's like yeah. why can't more black writers get regular work in particular to talk about black places to visit you know that's another thing and also the decolonization of travel for me includes talking about african cities so not only talking about the amazing safaris which i love a good safari but I have so much fun hanging out in African cities. I have amazing meals in African cities. There is amazing museums and art galleries and all of those things. And so it's like this holistic thing yeah. of, we just want something more holistic. Everything needs to be more holistic. And I think, th I mean, things become more holistic when not only you bring more voices into the room, but you let those voices do what they inherently are going right. to excel at and like you just leave them alone and let them do their thing because yep yeah they will naturally just meet people where they need to be met and you talk i mean travel is education so great it's amazing that people you know can can travel and have these experiences but for people who want to read about travel for someone you know who might be 15 years old a black girl who's 15 years old and who one day wants to go to ghana or something like that you're gonna have her read about it from a white writer and feel like she has learned the real rich history of that place? No, let somebody, you know, tell that story who is black, who is, you know, from Ghana. Like it just, I think it, it, this moment, not even just this moment, all of history is called for that to be the case. And, and I yeah. hope that, you know, conversations like this, conversations that have been happening for a long time are now just, you know, being really, really heard, really considered. Um, and I mean, I'm personally glad to be a part of what I hope is that push forward um, as our, you know, the both of you. But I guess speaking of people who are doing the work, in addition to the both of you, I would love to uplift and amplify some of those people. Um, and are there any are there any names, any voices that stick out to you, especially now, um, that you would like to share with with listeners that they should be following? Definitely, definitely. One of the top people, first people I'm going to say is Glow. I love what Gloria Tomo, she goes by Go, Glow Graphics, has been able to do in her space. And she's even kind of taken this time during COVID to pivot away from travel a little bit. But the, the allyship graphics that she's been throwing out there and messaging that she's been throwing out there has been absolutely amazing. I love what um, Hey Ashley Renee has done in her pivot. She's always been about sustainability before sustainability was dope. <laughs> when everybody was like, girl, you just vegan. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> you know, like she's been able to pivot in a way that shows that she stuck to her guns even when it wasn't popular. And now you're seeing people that want these skills because they're stuck at home and they're like, maybe I want to move out of a city and kind of go a little bit more rural and have some more space and grow my own food and get chickens. Like, you know, you're starting to see conversations like that happen. Um, on, on platforms of, of this manner. And I'm really, really impressed with even the pivot 
that a number of people has have also shown during this time. I'm also going to shout out somebody who's actually on my team, who's my head of creative social media, Marty, Martinique Lewis. She is literally a diversity and inclusion consultant for the travel industry. Like she's about this life and she speaks on major platforms about this as well. But I think even the content that she's done for those who follow us during Black History Month, we get a huge influx of people during our Black History Month contact because she finds these stories of Black travel history that you don't even know. And we had them as quote unquote commercial breaks during Audacity Digi. And everybody was like, yo, I've never been to a festival that had commercial breaks and like digitally and I want the commercials. Because like literally, like we're talking about Seneca Village, we're talking about Black Eskimos, like stuff that half the time when she comes to me with the content, I'm like, how the hell did you even know this? Like. Where did you even find this? But those are the people who are really spearheading it. And I know that there's like these collectives that they are also a part of. And on our international levels, we have those like Yolanda of Dip Your Toes In. We have the Wind Collective that's coming out with amazing black like oriented video content and really changing the game. And so there's a number of them. And, um, and we do our best to bring as many as we can into our activations, both in person and online. But those are just a couple that, you know, are coming to my mind in this moment for sure. Amazing. We'll check them out. Yeah. Travel is so much about escapism. And I think, you know, if you're finding yourself wanting like beautiful imagery or things of that nature, I think Simply Finn is amazing, super colorful. She's pregnant now, about to have twins. So I'm sure the pivot is happening. But I think so much of, um, you know, following some of these people, if you didn't follow them before, is about going back and scrolling their timeline and looking at what they have. Um, Someone else I love is Hey Sierra. She's really great about teaching people how to travel and doing solo travel and how to make more money to travel. Um, Love her. Spirited Pursuit, again, just beautiful imagery. She does a lot of travel. Yeah, does a lot of travel within Africa. So that's my personal appeal there. The Traveling Child, I love because it's about family travel. People ask me about that a lot. I'm like, I don't have kids. I can't help you. But The Traveling Child, right. The Traveling Child is amazing because she has two young girls. So if people are looking for family travel, that's a great place to go. Sheree Robinson, who runs Tastemakers Africa, is amazing. And what she's been doing around creating community with her conferences, The Thread, throughout COVID. But again, if you're interested in traveling to Africa, I think that's a great platform. Kelly Set Go, first Black woman to have to host a show on the Travel Channel. She's a diver and she's a pilot and just all a around adventure girl. She's a superhero. Kelly's a superhero. She's a superhero. <laughs> So she's just a great person to follow. Just like if you want to get more adventure travel uh, from Annette with love, who I adore, she gives a perspective of traveling while fat, if you will. When we talk about diversity, diversity is so complex. It's not just skin color. It's also body type. It's abilities. It's gender. You know, there's so many things. So I love that even within the black community, there's, so much diversity, if you will. And one one thing that I just want to add um, in terms of what we need to do better, when brands are hiring a Black person, they always stick to someone who can often be racially ambiguous. And mm. I think for me, as someone who's at the darker end of the spectrum, I still almost never see myself. When there's campaigns with multiple people, they never want someone that's as dark as me, you know? And so that's another place where it's just like, yeah, Black isn't a monolith, and 
I personally am sick of the black representation being people who are racially ambiguous, not to remove people, their blackness, but I think it's like, we have to also represent people who are at the darker end of the spectrum. When they I'll do take it campaigns. one step further. Don't stick somebody who is darker, you know, with a white man or something like that to make it seem more quote unquote palatable or desirable. And for those of us who are light skinned and culturally ambiguous, because I fall into that category, understand your privilege behind that. Understand that that's there. Understand that you may be being sought out in that regard because of that. And it's okay to call that out too. I take that on too from a personal perspective. Absolutely, absolutely. But understand the levels of privilege that you do have even being black or being somebody of color because those are valid too. Well, yeah, you can't talk about anti-blackness and racism without addressing colorism. Colorism, you can't. Like you can't. Um, but I mean, I encourage, thank you both obviously for the resources that you've just shared and for anyone listening. I hope that they they really sit with those accounts with the information they're sharing and refrain from, you know, just checking in and, and dipping out. Um, right. Really sitting with, with the work that they've done. Like you said, Jessica, scrolling backwards, like looking at the entire body of their work, what they represent, um, and not burdening them with explaining where they're coming from or asking them to promote XYZ kind of thing either. Or if they feel okay right now, like, no. You don't need to not. check in. The answer is going to be no. That's why I didn't start <laughs> off at the top asking you how you're doing. But I think we all know. We know how everyone is, is kind yeah. of doing right now. But that being said, um, I feel we are at time. Um, and I just wanted to thank you both for coming on this podcast. Um, it's been honestly a really grounding and, and inspiring conversation. Um, and I want to thank you for not only your time, but, but spending your energy here right now. And I hope that you and, and everyone listening, you know, are taking care and, and staying safe. And then I hope everyone listening is also doing their part amidst history. It is. It's history. Mm-hmm. So Jessica, Avita, where can people find your work on the internet, social media, what have you? <laughs> you can find me all over the internet as the catch me if you can. Nice, nice. And for Nomadness Tribe, it's at Nomadness Tribe everywhere. And for my personal, it is at Evie Robbie, E-V-I-E-R-O-B-B-I-E. And for everyone listening, I'm Lemley Sewell. You can find me at them, at T-H-E-M, or at Lemley Sewell, W-H-E-M-B-L-E-Y-S-E-W-E-L-L.